Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are back with yet another episode. We are not tackling the alphabet this week. At the time of us recording the show, uh, what did we just release? We just released uh, King Nothing. So we're getting into the K's at the moment. You know, we've got some cool songs coming up as well. We've got Leper Messiah, uh, Mama Said, Master of Puppets, you know, all in the next two months or so. But today we're doing something slightly different. We are going to be covering songs, but songs that we've kind of half covered, maybe half haven't got to yet. We're going to be covering the No Life Till Leather demo tape basically this is the important one there were quite a few in metallica's history that we'll get to but this is the one that kind of you know made the band got them discovered by johnny z etc kind of transplanted all the way to new york and started that spark and has ron mcgovney on bass as well and has some questionable recording techniques some um weird fucking headfield vocals that we get to as well and lots of other cool little tidbits and differences in the songs but uh, just before we get to today's guest and the topic Please follow the show at MetallicaPod. Get at me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, we have a Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash Alpha Metallica. If you want to help support the show, you want to give back. Uh, all the episodes like this will go on there first. Um, yeah, leave a comment down below, all that sort of stuff. But uh, not just myself, it's Cade. How's it going, sir? Pretty good, man. Big fan of the show. I think You're you watching? said since the bees, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, just, I still remember the day I found it. Uh, because it was just like so different. It was so like I was so into this show. Because I like I like to hear people talk about the songs individually sometimes mm-hmm. instead of just watching like an album review. And it was just this this concept was just so interesting and cool. So yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, I I stole it myself from um, complete <laughs> completely Beatles, which obviously did the the, the Beatles version <laughs> and um, I think, Beatles to metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a few of us out there as well that have tackled the discography, but um, no, yeah, the bees. God damn, yeah, that was a hell of a long time ago. We've been going for like 18 months or so now, and thank you to everyone that's on the on the ride and yourself as well. Okay, how did um, how did Metallica start for you? What were the first impressions? Well, um, the thing is, I can't really exactly say the exact because I'm pretty young. Uh, I'm 14, mm-hmm. so since like. Ever since, it's basically in my memory, I've known what Metallica was like ever since I was a kid because my dad was such a big fan of them. Right. Uh, he would always be blasting their music in the in the car. And, um, you know, I was just kind of, like, it, in my mind, it was always my dad's music. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I could actually enjoy. And then so around about two years ago, I was just into a lot of stuff that, I mean, even I was, like, thinking, okay, this is getting kind of... <laughs> kind of tiring um what, what, and what I was like? looking at just pop stuff okay. and um you know just basically whatever was popular at that second in time so i was just i wanted a new band to get into and i tried to look at a bunch of bands but i was just really thinking back to the bands that um my dad used to play in the car and uh i was singing like metallica and i was like i remember don't they have like a song called like puppet master or something like okay. that and um <laughs> So I was, uh, I just looked them up and I listened, I think, I don't remember if the first song I listened to, like I'd heard these songs before, but this was the first time I actually really listened to them. I don't remember if I first listened to, uh, Inter Sandman or One, uh, but I think the one I, the, I think it was One, because I remember when I first heard One, um, I just didn't know that you could tell a story like that through music. That just wasn't something like I'd heard the song all my life, but I never really went in in deep with the with the song. And that was the first time I realized that you could tell a full story through music. Yeah. And it was it was just amazing for me when I first heard it. And then th- there was no turning back after that. <laughs> 
And, um, you know, you brought the topic up to me to do No Life Till Ever, which I thought, mm-hmm. you know, is a great thing for us to cover. Um, Metal Like Your Podcast actually did an episode on it earlier. I was speaking to Clint about it. I think it's like number 15 or something in their run. And it's so cute mm-hmm. for them because they're still so giddy over international emails and stuff like that. <laughs> and what, what was it about No Life Till Ever that you wanted to speak about? Just because... Hmm. there's just not a lot of people who talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe like one or two videos I've seen where people actually really talk about it. And there's there's a lot of kind of mystery to it. Um, not mystery, but it's like, how did James, you know, change his singing style so quickly? You know, there's, there's just all those little things that I just feel like it's it's just kind of a a place held in, in the history of Metallica that will always be there to show what, you know, the kind of like the Metallica we never really heard. You know what I'm trying to say? Like mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, before it's it was the lineup that we know today. And, you know, we should say it was recorded on July 6, 1982. It's pretty much their yeah. widest circulated demo. And it's so mm-hmm. incredible when you look back in music history about the whole demo tape trading thing and how wide yeah. they would go. There's um, some great sections in Mickle's Enter Nightbook. There's loads of stuff, I should say, about No Life to Leather, as much as Black Album or Justice. You know, Mick really, really covers it well. And um, he was speaking about, uh, you know, them sending them off the tapes and stuff like that. Uh, quote, Patrick Scott was enlisted to help send out copies of No Life to Leather. He said, I was actually really the only person mailing them out. It was a little bit selfish of Lars, but it was helping a friend too. I had these pen pals like Metal Mike from Ardshock and Bernard Doe at Metal Force and them other pen pals. I would just send them demos and t-shirts and then they'd send me stuff back. And on the next page, Mick says, some cassettes of No Life Till Ever were circulating all over LA, San Francisco, New York, London, my own Birmingham, and Copenhagen. I mean, it's madness, isn't it? I guess it plays testament to the quality that was evident. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, of course, they were still very young. We listened back, oh but it's um, it, it was just planting the seeds for what to come, really. You know, if we wouldn't have heard the intensity of Kill 'Em All if we didn't have this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the songs are pretty much all the same. Um, there's some yeah. covers included at the end that we'll get to, which mm-hmm. were sort of new to me, sort of charming, especially Killing Time, which we just covered on the show, and where James says the N-word, which I never <laughs> I never thought I'd hear before. But I don't even yeah. listen, to the, listen to the bonus track there. But yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. One of the things that really marks this, these demos out from Kill 'Em All, is not only Ron McGovney, although Ron McGovney was, you know, kind of easily p- replaced by Cliff, and Cliff obviously has anesthesia, which isn't on here, and Cliff just sort of does much more interesting stuff and ideas with the parts. But we also have Dave Mustaine. We have mm-hmm. Dave Mustaine all over this fucking tape, and I don't know how you feel about his guitar playing here, Cade, but I'm kind of in love with his technique. It, he flows so nice, so quickly, but really elegant and exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like I feel like sometimes it's a little too much mm-hmm. for the parts that it's at. Like it's it's thrash metal, but I feel like sometimes he's a little overplaying it a little. And it it may be just because of the recording equipment. I'm sure if it was yeah. less muddy, we would be able to hear those solos. You know more, uh, how they were supposed to sound. But I really. I really do like his playing, but I feel like some places he overplays, but he yeah. is a, just an, an excellent player. 
Um, he is. He is. He. I mean, yes. I, I totally get what you're saying. It is a bit of an onslaught. It's not. It's kind of. It's not in a sort of shreddy Steve Vai, Jason Becker cacophony. It's not even the overload of notes. It's just a sense of attack, and you don't really get much melodic playing occasionally. Yeah. You know, notes hang here and there. I mean. Uh, Dave reminds me a lot of Chris Poland, who was an early Megadeth player, was on like So Far So Good. That sort of, I don't know, that sort of thrash playing, that sort of thrash lead playing that I, that I quite like, that has quite a scoop down sound there. And obviously a lot of it is memorable. Famously, Kirk had to, you know, his rule was had to replicate all the beginnings of Dave's solos. And Dave yeah. does know how to fucking start a solo. And I still think the lead breaks in Hit the Lights are, you know, absolutely sensational. But um, let, let, let's get to Hit the Lights then. important here of course uh, is the music and a lot of that for the most part is fantastic I mean the demo begins pretty much the same way as Kill 'Em All um, with Petfield and Mustaine here tremolo picking but they're on the E rather than the F sharp I mean the yeah slight... I know it sounded different yeah. yeah yeah slight difference there I don't really know what that choice was I guess they play the song live more they realize what works but I, I don't really know yeah um, it it just seems kind of like an intro that they were like, hey, let's just put this here. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does open up the album well because it you know it just kind of represents the intensity that you're going to hear all throughout. Yeah, yeah, and as we said on the show um, back in the day with Brendan as well, I believe that episode was uh, you know it's replicating the sort of live environment, entering the Coliseum, mm-hmm. Nemes, if you will, and uh, you know I think I think it goes together well, but um. Yeah, this, we're not really going to go through the songs, really. You know, listen to old Alpha Dalek episodes for this. But I do want to talk about the production. In particular, mm. Hetfield's vocals. I think some of the instruments they capture okay for what it is. Yeah. It's fucking 1982 and some cheap demo lines done that. But Hetfield's vocals, they sound really crumbly and hollow and reverby and almost artistic if you didn't just notice the limitations of the equipment. And... Has James hit puberty yet? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's another reason I wanted uh, there to be an episode about this because there's just so much to talk about yeah. right there because I don't know what made him, you know, make the switch, you know, to to straight up basically screaming mm-hmm. on Kill 'Em All. Not screaming as, you know, we know yeah, metal yeah, screaming like now. Yelling, but, yeah. yeah um, but... He was really trying. I don't know the name of uh, the uh, this person. Uh, he, I could really hear him trying to sound like the lead singer of Diamond Head. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was and that was a big influence on them, and uh, which is understandable. But um, I don't remember at the beginning of Hit the Lights is the uh, is the um, does he say Oh yeah? I don't remember because I remember that sounded really weird. Yeah, yeah, it, do, it, do, yeah. it does sound odd. And I mean, in the oh, original, yeah. <laughs> he does sound sort of depraved, but in a demonic way. Here, he's a bit more neutered, and he really gets his lead singer on. He really emphasizes some lines, kicks him ass tonight. Like yeah. he really holds that for ages, you know. I know. And I mean, the vocals are oh man, they, you know, they are bad. I mean, they are they aren't captured yeah. well, and they are a little bit. 
you know, just, I kind of like the juvenilia aspect of it, and obviously they knew what they were fucking doing on their instruments, and, it, you know, those things are inevitably going to lag behind, but it's just, I guess, sonically, the main criticism for the whole tape is it's quite murky, you know. Yeah, it, while I was listening, at one point, I was just thinking, like, is this, does this, like, would would someone call this thrash metal? Like, I, I don't mm. know if they were thrash yet. What do you, I mean, I know the instruments were definitely thrash, but I, I don't know. It just feels like something there. There was a like something, a switch was flipped in the recording of Kill 'Em All. I don't know if it was the vocal, just the vocals, but it just feels like there's something that just made it thrash as we know it today on Kill 'Em All. It just feels like there was some magic in the studio or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feel it feels like pretty much thrash to me, to be honest with you. I'm yeah, no I mean, it feels thrash. like thrash. Yeah. It's just, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too used to kill them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. And we can see a lot of obviously what will become the genius of Kill 'Em All here. And a lot of these songs are really, really fun to listen to still. And in a different sort of you know counter idea way, I suppose they just inhabit a different round where you're appreciating what the song would become. But yeah, there's lots of yawning vocals really, and I love the fact that it's called Mechanics. The second track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I mean, we all know the history, at least if, yeah. if you're watching this show, you, you know, probably most people know the history of this song. Um, personally, I'm not going to get into all this. I like the Four Horsemen better. Right. But I also really do like the Megadeth song, The Mechanics. And the demo is also good. But I feel like, you know, we got those two great songs from this. And I'm glad we got two amazing songs. Especially the start of this song, which is on the you know the the low E string. Again, we've reviewed this song on the show. That was a really good episode. Be- yeah. Because it's so down low, it's really hard to make out the the dances, the gallop of the hooves, if you will, that the intro yeah. song, which is one of the best things about Four Horsemen. I love that moment. I just think it's so groovy, like like hit the lights in the chorus. Um, so without that, the song is robbed of some of its impact for me. The vocals are very suspect yet again. <laughs> lots of emphasised long notes, but the quality of the riff, real yeah. gnarled sort of riffs that they that they encounter, the pace, but it's slightly bubbly. Um, you know, in terms of the noise, in terms of the audio, nothing sticks too strong. And there's none of the middle section, uh, K, yeah. the sort of Sweet Home Alabama idea. Which I feel, I feel the middle section of the... <clears throat> I feel like the lyrics of the Four Horsemen give it... I feel like the when they changed the lyrics to the Four Horsemen, it made it able to have that sort of epic middle section. Yeah, yeah. But the song, The Mechanics, we're talking about the original mm-hmm. version and the Megadeth version. Yeah. I feel like it's it shouldn't have that middle section because it's not an epic song. You know, it's just thrash, let's go yeah, fast. Yeah, you know, um, they're both great songs, but they're, you know, they one has a sense of, you know, impending doom and epicness. And one is just, you know, fast. You know, I'm trying to say. Next song, Motor Breath. 
This is probably the worst vocals I would say on the whole tape. They, it sounds like yeah. it sounds like a hallucinatory voice in your head. Like it sounds <laughs> like the, the back speaker of the house that Jack built or something. It sounds really weird. <laughs> Motor Breath, which is one of my, you know, favorite early Metallica songs, especially that opening riff. It's just so it's just simple, so, but so good. Yeah, I you can really um, hear the punk influence on this one, at least mm. I think. Yeah. And um, also, no, no, if I'm right, there's no beginning uh, drum drum part. Either yeah, the on, on the demo, right? Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different, but yeah, definitely the vocals are very raw. But yeah. sometimes I like to hear things that are raw, you know, just to hear that you know they were you know, probably 17 or 18 playing this in a basement. It's just kind of cool to hear this sometimes, but I would definitely listen to the Kill em All version over yeah. this version. Yeah, yeah, and Mustaine's solo oddly reminds me of Kirk's playing in Death Magnetic, where it's just blisteringly fast, and then it'll I just, know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, and then it'll just pull a few dissonant notes out to sort of give it a bit of character. Uh, I mean, his technique is gorgeous, but it is slightly repetitive on this song. It's not only the way they captured James's vocals on a potato here, it's also the lack of blood he has in his lungs. He's like, motor, breath, his hand. Yeah. It's like really <laughs> stolid, and uh, I don't know. I don't really know what they were going for here. He's just not that classic, you yeah. know, rasp in his voice, yeah, like exactly. what he's known for. Exactly. And that's, I think that's one of the weirdest things listening to this tape is because, you know, Hetfield, his voice is just so known for having that, that raps, that, um, that gruffness. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's just not there. And it's just really weird to listen to it without that, but really interesting. So Seek is here, and again, mm-hmm. another of the longer songs of Kill 'Em All that is truncated yep. here. It's 4 minutes 55, um, so we kind of lose kind of outer choruses, etc. And Seek's always been a very compartmentalized song that, you know, builds out and has a lot of um, time out on that A string. But what, what do you think of this version? I mean, a lot of people see it as, you know, slightly slower, slightly heavier, slightly yeah. less vibrant. Uh, one of the first things I thought um, was... I can kind of hear um, some more of uh, the vocal style he was going to go for later on on Kill 'Em All. You can kind of hear that come out just a tiny bit on this song. Um, you can hear, you know, the stages. Um, again, nothing really very different. It, it is shortened. There is some stuff cut out. It has the um, uh, the original Damastain solo, which yep. is a great solo for the song. Um I think he's, like I said, I think he's a great player, and I think that, um, to be honest, I think this song is 
one probably the most deserving in my opinion for a Dave Mustaine solo because his style just fits. I feel like it just fits this song. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not really fast at the beginning, but the solo he put on this, I felt just fit the song yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great work in there. Great mm-hmm. cascading uh, sheets of notes that he spans here. And James has a smoother vocal, which doesn't mm-hmm. quite work for me. Again, as I say, the end of the song um, is is cut off. I mean, yeah, I think Mustaine is a highlight. I think Seek... It's you know it's one of the all time classic riffs yeah. of this sort of music like and it's one of those riffs that if you you know I don't know if you play guitar but like sometimes when you're playing yeah, guitar where your fingers are positioned that it's just so obvious to put them there and and to make something yeah. of like that and if you play Seek and Destroy you totally know what I mean the way you mm-hmm. use your second and first fingers and yeah just, yeah it's just so comfortable it's, a, it's, it's just very, so right it's a very easy song to play like I have memories of playing this song you know when I was young at school and whatever because everyone could play it you could teach it someone quickly yeah. but it's still really fun to play. I remember when they played this third in Birmingham and that was, you know, obviously this was something that closed their sets normally, think of Binge and Purge, etc. But um, yeah, again, not too much different here on Seek. And we get the longest song on the tape here, Cade, uh, 5 minutes 17, Metal Militia, number 5. Metal Militia! Yeah, very, uh, very different vocal approach. Again, I know we keep talking about the vocals, but that's the only yeah. thing that comes to my head. Uh, I, nah, no fade out, if I remember. No uh, stomping, or uh, not stomping, no marching, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, a different solo, again. And um, this, you know, is just one of the songs that I feel like was just destined to be a thrash song. Even, you know, like, I think, you know, I think it's thrash, but... I feel like this song on the demo tape still has the same amount of thrash blood that, that it was given to on Kill 'Em All. I just feel like this song was just it. I don't know the, something about this song uh, or the demo track of this song. Just it's just so cool to hear them in their prime, uh, not in their prime, but yeah. so young playing this music that was not very popular at not popular but not even heard of no. really back then and to hear them just so confident playing this stuff you know it probably doesn't sound always sound great with the vocals and everything but they're just you know playing as hard and fast as they can and i just think that's really cool because all these you know headfield was obviously he was mad at the world because of all the things that happened in his childhood and this was how he you know how he uh got got that out by playing this hard heavy music yeah, it's a, this is a good song, and you know I think this is one of the highlights of the whole tape. It mm-hmm. would be faster on Kill 'Em All, um, yeah. but you know it's still pretty solid here. And James's clean vocals work well um, in the context. Yeah, you know not too much to say, but yeah, I, I do again. Yeah, I think this is a bit of a highlight. Jump in the fire. Jump in the fire. Yeah, I 
Again, we covered recently on the show. Um, always yes. a good time looking into Killer Mall songs. Love this song. Love the groove of this song. I think it's way better the Killer Mall version. It just fleshes it out more as a piece. And I much prefer Cliff's bass ideas in the Killer Mall version. I think he explores yes. there in a kind of McCartney esque way. McGovney's kind of more on that root note territory. Um, yeah. And this has uh, <laughs> different lyrics again, like mechanics. Uh, more oh, sex. Oh, don't even give me a start. <laughs> <laughs> very sexual I'm so glad they changed the these yeah. man it was ah it's just the thing you know there for a while in the 80s like Metallica was known for just talk, speaking about you know death destruction all these mm-hmm. terrible things you go back to songs like this and it's like I'm glad they they changed these lyrics <laughs> right it's yeah. just you, you know um but I'm surprised. Did Dave Mustaine? Uh, now I, I've heard. I'm not that big of a Megadeth fan, but I do like Megadeth, and mm-hmm. I want to go more into their discography. Did Dave Mustaine ever reuse this riff in a song? I don't believe so. Okay, I thought this was one of the ones that uh, they obviously stole because I know he came to them with this song. Um, this is one of the first songs that he had written and showed him showed him the song. He was in a band called Panic or something That's like that. That's right, yeah. 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 Again, very, very similar uh, in most parts to the Kill em All counterpart. And finally on the tape is a shorter Phantom Lord. No synth at the beginning, obviously. Um, man, it just sounds, uh, you know, no mental middle section, which, uh, this kind of a, maybe not a controversial opinion, but that's one of my favorite parts of Phantom Lord, mm. Phantom Lord, the middle, you know, clean section. I feel like it just kind of sounds like, a like an ongoing battle, you know, like impending doom or something, um, as the Phantom Lord, you know, marches on. Uh, so that's not here, but I feel like it kind of works for this version because like i've said with some of the past songs it's just thrash all the way through and uh i feel like that i don't always like just thrash all the way through but it works for some of these songs yeah there's not really that much variety and as you say like the middle part here and the part mechanics Mm -hmm. for horsemen like they're not and there's no anesthesia and you know yeah they are sort of within that uh small boundary but you know my God, they're going to uh, bombard it shortly. And uh, yeah, I mean, like the, the other songs here, it's a bit more of a dirtier, looser version. I've always liked Phantom Lord. I always remember getting into the band early on and seeing mm-hmm. the back of Killer Mall and seeing uh, Mustaine's name under Phantom Lord and just being like, oh, cool. Like, Dave Mustaine was, like, you know, whatever. Being, yeah. being ignorant to that history. Um, but, uh, but, but One yeah. One thing to say mm-hmm. uh, about that riff um no one talks about the Phantom Lord riff, but that's one of my favorite Metallica It's riffs. such a good riff, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just so catchy. Yeah, like, yeah. You listen to it once and it's stuck in your head, you know. Real bombing just riff, yeah. Throughout, yeah, it's it's great riff. 
Um, so, and that pretty much wraps it up. As I said before, um, there are some covers involved in certain versions. Certainly, one that mm-hmm. I was listening to online. Um, there is the uh, Sweet Savage Killing Time cover, and um, there's one like Let It Loose or something like that. I'm I sure. hadn't listened to the covers actually. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's the Killing. Yeah, Let It Loose as well is on there. Um, which is another cover. So, yeah, they do the the Sweet Savage song. And James Mm. says the N-word, which is controversially in this song by Sweet Savage. And in the garage (laughs) version, uh, it's not said, uh, it's not used, which I think was originally a Black Album version. I'm I'm, I'm forgetting. I really Mm. shouldn't forget that. But, um, yeah, it was one of the B-sides or something on there. And, yeah, that that brings us to the end of the tape. So I want to say, people in the comments, metallicapologygmail.com, Get in touch with me. You know, what do you think of No Life to Love? What are your memories of it? Did you own an original copy? Were you one of the guys that Lars sent it to in Copenhagen? <laughs> or did you get a you know record store remaster? It's quite good. I said before, I met like your podcast. Live on the show, I listened to the episode today, as I say, live on the show, um, Clint basically pressures Ethan into breaking the seal on his uh, unopened uh, <laughs> No Life to Love cassette and then promises to give him his own uh, if it sells in the millions, which uh, I want to know if they fell through on. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. as always, it's been Tom. Cade, yourself, how do um, people get at you? Um, I'm so sorry, but I had one more thing to say oh, cool. about this demo go, tape. Yeah. Um, it's just something I wanted to bring up. Have you seen the people who uh, think Dave Mustaine sung on this? Right, okay. No. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen people no, saying that? No. Yeah, a lot of people think that this is Dave Mustaine singing. I'm sorry, I just threw that in at yeah. the end, but I wanted to say that throughout. Yeah, I, um, guess, I guess he has a sort of similar style to what Mustaine would be like early on, so I can see the comparison. Yeah, but it's just like people, you know, blindly say it's Mustaine, it's Mustaine, but... I mean, all the, I'm I'm pretty sure there's no history of him singing ever in Metallica. No, um, no, he used to sort of be the MC between songs, but I don't think. Yeah, because because Dave he um he joined the band. Uh, James was still just a singer, if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm right. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Mustaine's voice live now is absolutely abysmal. I think it had, you know, he had a certain range in, you know, everyone knows I like sort of rust in peace, euthanasia, those up, it's still, I don't know, it's still sort of, uh, <laughs> my you know, friend can do an imp- good impression. Yeah, 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 um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's very much in that gargle zone, but, um, mm-hmm. this has been great, man. And I guess you're 14 years old. You don't have another podcast, do you? You probably, is it legal to give out your identity right now? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I have, I mean, I'm all over the internet. So, um, I guess, uh, so you're asking if uh well i guess more like have you got any projects anything you like to promo or um i'm in a band uh uh our instagram is uh i think it's eternal underscore covenant um so yeah that's pretty cool great name uh haven't really gotten uh done uh well we have done anything we're just having some member problems but you know (laughs) (laughs) uh but if i did have a podcast because um i know you mentioned if i yeah, had a are we, podcast are we doing an episode sorry I, for, I forget are we gonna do a song in the future if if i had a pod i don't have a podcast yeah if i did have a podcast i would probably do an avenge sevenfold podcast because wow. a lot of people hate that band and i feel like it's just because they've heard all the <laughs> the worst songs by them are you an avenge sevenfold fan? i uh, i i i listen a lot to city of evil when mm-hmm. I was a bit younger, and I have a lot of respect for Sinister Gates and Zaki Vengeance, right? The guitar players. Yeah. 
I just cannot stand the sound of M Shadow's voice. That's it, everybody, it, man. Yeah, he's just got such a sort of tone deaf. Just uh, I don't know. He's ne- I don't know. He's not got any soul in his voice, really. And I think the guitar playing like sort it, of I similar. can see what you say, you're saying. Yeah, I just feel like I found Avenged Sevenfold like when I was first getting into like Metallica. The other genre I really liked was like pop punk. Mm. So like. Um, I'm not that much of a pop punk fan. If you know yeah, what I mean, I see what you're saying, they have yeah. those, you know, those melodic choruses with, you know, the really heavy parts. So yeah, if I had a podcast, I'd probably do them because I haven't seen many podcasts on them. You know what? I ju- I literally just googled as you were speaking. Avenged Sevenfold podcast. None of them exist. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but I keep finding new podcasts. Like uh, I found an Oasis one recently that's got like a hundred episodes or something. So um, you know, we're everywhere. And yeah. uh, an event sevenfold podcast would be a good idea. Actually, that'd be cool. Better get on that idea before yeah. anybody takes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at least register the socials just so you can fuck them over. But um, yeah. So as always, guys, follow us at MetallicaPod, uh, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, As I say as well. So we've got some songs available. Um, so if anyone wants to hop on and do Overkill or Phantom Lord or Prince Charming or Pumping Blood or Purify, get in touch. We'll get you locked into the show. Those episodes will probably be in like May next year, so it'll be a little while away. But uh, it'll be good to have you on. But um, Cade, thanks again, sir. Thanks, thanks for having me on, man. Big fan. 